started. Father, we thank you today in Jesus' name for our time together. Together, We pray that the Holy Spirit would bless and strengthen our time. We pray that what we say today will be helpful and uplifting. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen. amen. In your life, I wonder if you ever felt powerless. Have you ever felt as if in your life you did not have enough strength? You weren't really sure what your life outcome was going to be. You thought you knew when you were young, growing up, but as life moved on, you're not really sure what happened to your life. In our study today, our goal is to talk about two words, say power and purpose. Come on. Power and purpose. There's a verse in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that says, you shall receive power when the, and strength, and the word power really means strength or ability, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, this is Acts 1 and 8, and, and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. This verse has always been one of those great verses when you read it and you hear it, you think of Superman. When you become a Christian, you're going to be powerful. And so you start flexing your muscles, and if you're not careful, you really will think more supernaturally than you should. I, I think power is far more than just being able to fly through trials and and show some miraculous ability to heal the sick. I think it's more than that. It's just strength. The question is, are you a strong person? Are you a person that has the capacity to manage the details of your life, the tough areas of your life? Do you look strong? Do you come off as a strong person who's strong and full of purpose? The whole year, I pick normally one word, and one question to ask you every year. And the question this year is centered around purpose. And that's our word. Everybody say the word, please. Purpose. And the question for the year is, why are you here? What is my purpose and why are you here? Why am I here? Come on, say, what is my purpose, is my purpose? and why am I here? It's a great question. You think about it. I believe that you're here for an important reason. And one of the reasons you're here is to be strong. You're not here to be weak. My focus question for today, for just today's sermon, it helps you think about that for a minute. Because the question is this, do you feel like a powerless person with no ability to reach your purpose? Do you feel like a person who's really not that strong and you may never, ever get to your purpose. For the last three weeks, I've been pushing this thought at you a little bit to get you to think about this. And today, I want you to think about, are you a person who feels weak and insignificant and unable to get to where you should be in life? And if so, I want to argue something that Paul told Timothy. God did not plan that for your life. God never intended for you to be a weak person because that will hinder your ability to, to arrive at your purpose. If you bow to weakness and you allow that to be a part of your life, now all of us have weaknesses, but the question is how do you respond to them? In our past weeks, I've kind of plowed through some of the issues that I think stop you from reaching your purpose. Today, I'll talk about power and how if you're weak, it stops you. But let me review, if I can, three other things I said that may 
jar your memory from our last studies of the last three weeks. The first sermon I asked you the question three weeks ago is, is your life's purpose possible with the current layers of issues in your life? Is your life possible? Is it possible? Is it possible for you to ever get the job you want? Is it possible for you to ever, ever be married and have the kind of relationship you dream of? Now, I want to say something that may be shocking. For some people, it's not possible because of the layers. You see, if I can have a stack, give me a stack of those bulletins. Would you, ushers, if you would, please, grab me a stack of bulletins. Would you please, a stack of bulletins, and bring them up to me, would you? I want to show you something I think is amazing. Just grab me a big stack, a big stack. Give me a big old stack of them. I want to show you something. I, I forgot to bring my little illustration, so I'll just create on the, on the run. Sometimes you got to create on the run. There you go. Run him up here for Joe Gibbs. He used to be a football player. He used to knock people down, you know. But you know. <laughs> no, no, that's right. Slow down. Don't when you get that, that. I don't need you to hurt me, bro. Stand back now. Thank you. All right. This is your dream, this iPad. Let's pretend this is your purpose. You know, the problem is a lot of things get laid on top of your purpose. Seems like you can't get past the bills. Seems like you can't get past the strife, the memories. You have a dream. You have a clear purpose in your mind. You knew exactly what you wanted to be when you graduated from college, but you just couldn't get over the family issues. You couldn't get over what? Name it. I don't know what it is. Name it. But this concept I'm going to teach you on more next month, but it really spoke to me because Buried beneath the layers, all the financial choices we keep making, we can never be free. You've gone from relationship to relationship, and you have the same issues no matter who you date. Every job you go to, somebody makes you mad, somebody does you wrong. It's always somebody. It's always something. And it really came clear to me. It's the way I was thinking. The way I was thinking, every time I I get into trouble or have a challenge, I just spend too much time grieving. So now it's a new guy, and you're grieving again. Oh, there's your purpose, way down there. But the question is, is it ever going to really happen? Because this is the thing, these are the things that stop you and they just keep falling on top of your purpose. That's why you don't have time to go to school. Because you're spending so much time on things that have nothing to do with where you're trying to go. Is your life purpose possible with the current layers or issues in your life? It's really easy the issues to dominate. It's really issues. Really easy, rather. What person or cause, I asked you in the second sermon, has taken you from your purpose? They influence you. You can name them. I didn't start thinking this way until we became friends or until I started dating you. I'd never had these issues. What person or cause has taken you away from your purpose? like the Tower of Babel. If you remember, we started a study in Genesis chapter 11, and I 
I'll review it in a moment, but in this study, there was an, a profound illustration of a guy named Nimrod who mentioned in Genesis chapter 10 who leads a town called Babel. And the Bible describes how he became the influence, the person. And I'll read that in just a moment. Third question I asked was, are you following a life strategy? This was last week. That will work. You're, are you following a plan? But this plan isn't working. It's just not working. And it's a strategy that you're holding on to. So now you've become this weak person, powerless person, who's not moving towards his or her goals. All of this was illustrated in Genesis chapter 11. If you'll notice in your notes, I want to review quickly this summary of how the people in Babel lost their power and purpose. Here's what the Bible says. They were influenced to follow a bad life strategy that distorted their life purpose. Genesis 11.1 1 says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heaven. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad, abroad over the face of all the earth. So all of a sudden you have this guy Nimrod who calls what the Bible says the whole earth to one place. And the population was way smaller then, but everybody was focused on one thing. This one place they named, that was called later named Babel, which means confusion because it was a place that all the languages were confused. But they all come to this one place, and they're all standing there, and there's one goal. He's convinced everybody to have one goal, build this tower, and that this tower somehow was going to do something amazing in their life. It was going to make them famous. It was going to make them famous and protect them from being scattered. So he wanted everybody to huddle in one place and focus on one thing. He was the mighty influence in their life. Who in your life has caused you to focus on one thing, huddle in one place, and never go anywhere else? The whole idea of Babel was it was a place of bondage. And so what happened, the next thing that took place was in verse 7. God comes down and he, he looks at them. And he confused their languages that they may not be, that they may not understand one another. Speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth. And they ceased building the city. They were all given power in that moment and independence. Everybody was called to one little place, one little purpose, building a tower. And the Lord came down, looked at that, and said, that's not what I wanted them to do. That was not my purpose for them. My purpose was they would have independent lives. I want the Russians to be the, I want the, 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 Russians, to be the Russians. I want the, the North Americans to be the North Americans. I want the Asians to be the Asians. I want the Antarcticans to be the Antarcticans. I want everybody to be who they are. Every continent gets to be who they're designed to be. The Africans can be the Africans with their own culture and their own dynamics. If anything, we help each other. Never dominate one another. Well, that didn't work out too well. But that was the dream. But this one guy in Babel, this one place, was, center, was centering everybody on one little purpose, one little tower, one great tower. And so that was never God's plan because he wanted everybody to be powerful, to be strong and independent, not dependent. And so that, my friend, was what God adjusted. But has it worked in your life? Have you been rallied and pulled into one place that you shouldn't be? Well, there was a guy named Timothy. 
And Timothy was a young man in the New Testament, and Timothy was a guy that Paul was concerned about because people were mocking him because he was young. He told him one time, he said, don't let people despise your youth. And so he writes this letter, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy to Timothy, and he writes these letters, and he says, Timothy, let me talk to you. I want you, I, I remember your grandmother, he gives him this great historical summary, and he starts to give him what I believe to be some clear guidance, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And this guidance is to help him make sure he's a man focused on his purpose. He wants him to be strong and powerful. And he gives him some advice, four things he tells him, and one verse that are profound. And these four things are things that I believe will help you find your, live your life with power and purpose. Listen to what he says. For God gave us, 2 Timothy 1 and 7, not for God... For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of what? Power and love and self-control. I'm so used to quoting the King James that I tend to have a hard time saying it in another version. For God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Sound mind, self-control. The first thing he tells Timothy, and I'm going to read all four quickly. These are the four things he tells him, I want you to make sure you're clear about. These are the things that will help you have a life full of power and purpose. Repeat them with me, please. Say, clear thinking. Clear thinking. Say, serving without fear. Loving without fear. Being strong without fear. He wanted Timothy to be a clear thinker who was in control of himself. If you're ever going to get to your life purpose, you have to be clear. If you think all those things are your priorities, you'll, you'll never get there. I really am thinking more about this in my life because I've learned that my life and my mind can get so cluttered with so many things, I'll never get to my purpose. And I'll allow myself to be pulled away. And it takes great strength to think clearly, because you have to say, that's not good, this is. Secondly, he said, I want you to serve without fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, and that's important. The attitude that we live with should not be a fearful attitude. Timothy, I want you to be a guy who gets to your purpose, and you can't get there unless you serve without fear. I'm too young, I'm not qualified, I'm not handsome enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm too short, I'm too tall, my teeth are too crooked, my toes are too crooked. I mean, it's amazing what we think about. And you get so focused on all these things that don't have anything to do with anything. I always love the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He's so short. And the Bible says he was so short he had to climb up in a tree to see Jesus. And I, I just think about it. But he was the chief tax collector. Now, I, I thought about this. Can you imagine? How does a short guy get to be the chief tax collector? Because he didn't let his height stop him. He wasn't afraid to be short. I can see him. Can you see him in a staff meeting? All right, guys, listen. I'm telling all of you right now. I'm not playing. <laughs> but there you go. Sometimes you're just too afraid for God to bless you. You want to be a person who lives your life with power and purpose. You have to think clearly, serve without fear, and then thirdly, love without fear. For God has given us a spirit of not fear, 
with power, love, love, love. The word agape is used. The word that describes loving with, with an all-in attitude. Loving when people don't necessarily deserve it. You don't get to your purpose if you're selective. I think that's why I'm good for this job. I really like people. I, I get I mean, I come to your house, take my shoes off. I really enjoy it. I love it. I, and I think there's something you miss in life if, you're, if you don't serve with that kind of all-in passion. Then he tells him, lastly, he says, now you got to be strong without fear. But God has not given us a spirit of spirit, fear, but of power. There's the word strength. I am supposed to be a person who's powerful. And that's not just walking around flexing your muscles. It's more than that. It's about an attitude. And, 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 and let me tell you, this attitude rolls over into the practical sides of your life. It rolls over into your leadership. You see, Timothy was being groomed for leadership. It was all about getting this guy ready to get to this great purpose. And so Paul, in this letter, writes some things to him and says, I want you to think about this. And he gets really specific in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And he gives him four or five more things that I thought were just what I call five powers in your life that can affect your life purpose. Five things he said to Timothy that I thought were just absolutely phenomenal. And he was talking to him about leadership and what qualifies a person to be a great leader. And the first thing he says, and I want you to see this because he talks about what I call again. And repeat this with me, please. And these are, by the way, before I read them, this is in the middle of a conversation. So I'm jumping in the middle of a conversation about leadership. And he's talking about the qualifications for a leader. If you want to be a leader, if that's your goal, if you feel that's your purpose, here's, here's what qualifies you for that job. And I could go through this whole chapter, chapter, these first seven verses, and I could go through this whole thing. If you want to be a pastor, you want to be a leader, here's what you have to be like. But I, I wanted to pick out five key words in the conversation. He said other things. Are you tracking with me? Are you tracking with me? He said other things, but I want to cho choose five things that I call powerful. And, and I think these five things would, are what I call five powers in your life that can affect your life purpose. First, he says, repeat this with me, please. Say the power of leadership, the power of, leadership. The power of a husband, the power of, sobriety. The power of sobriety, the power of submission, the power of and the power of experience. In chapter 3, verse 1, 1 Timothy chapter 3, he says this. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, and the word bishop means overseer, he desires a good work. Now, please, when you think of bishop, I know today because, you know, we've kind of taken the term over the years and defined it. We think of a guy in a collar and who's over a church. When they heard the word bishop, they didn't think that way. They thought of a guy who was a leader, an overseer. And, th and basically what he was saying if you desire to be a leader, that's a great cause, man. That's a great thing to desire, to want to be a leader, to say, I want to lead. I choose to be in charge of this. That's a wonderful ambition. Don't apologize for that. But then he goes on and he says, understand, if you desire that work, there's certain things that need to be in your life. You'll never get there. And he starts listing this long list. And again, I can get off on this, but I don't want to. He says, a bishop then must be blameless, the kind of guy that's hard to find fault in. There has to be a certain lifestyle. He must be the husband of one wife. He must be temperate. He must be sober-minded. He must be of good behavior, hospitable, and able to teach. Now, all that's important to talk about, but I just pull out the word husband because I thought it was amazing. 
Because here's what really touched me about that. A lot of men don't understand the power of being who they are. Do you understand that the purpose of your family is tied to how well you husband? Do you understand that there's a linkage directly to the way you lead as a father, to what happens to your daughter, your son, the atmosphere in the home, the finances? It's amazing. That role, and I, again, I could talk about the rest, but I just want to for a moment say, I think there's power in that role. It affects what happens to the purpose and vision of your family. And when you do it right, when you're honest and open and transparent, admit when you fail and rise when you feel weak and try, it's powerful what happens. It's transforming. If you don't believe it, go to the prisons and the jails. I've been going. I've been doing this thing for the Department of Corrections for about a year now, traveling around the prisons, teaching on choices. I've been, and I have six we're scheduling now over the next couple of months. And when I go into prisons, one of the most amazing things I see is they, they all, most all, 80% miss a daddy. In the girl prisons and in the guy prisons. It's amazing how somehow the family structure has been so demolished. And if, I, if you want to know my opinion, I think that's why crime is so bad. I think it, the whole crime problem starts in the house. They don't obey your rules. <laughs> They don't do what you tell them to do. And so they sure don't want to do what the police tells them to do. There's balance. I understand that. You don't need to give me the story. You know, I know. I understand we need to make sure it's right on both sides of the river. But I think it's important to understand the power of my role. Forget everybody else for a minute. What am I doing as a husband, as a father? What if you're not married to them? But be a father. Why are you not talking about mothers? Because they're always around. I don't need to talk about you folks. You're the one who we leave the babies with. Most, there's a message for you. Because I think there's a whole lot of mad mamas now. I am, I promise. <laughs> there's a whole lot of mad ones coming. I understand. But I want to focus on one word. Everybody say husband. husband. If your family is going to get to the cause, the purpose, that they were created. A person who has a powerful influence on that happening is the husband. That's why you need to be careful who you marry. Repeat it with me, please. Say the power of leadership, power of a husband, and the power of sobriety. Now in verse 3, he keeps going in this list. Now I'm going to read all of it and come back to my one word. He says, not giving the wine... Not, not violent, not greedy. If you want to be a leader, you can't be given the wine. You can't be violent, not greedy for money, not gentle. I'm sorry, but gentle, rather. <laughs> I need to be gentle. But gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. Now, there's a whole lot we can talk about. But I wanted to focus on one word, not giving the wine. Now, I, you know, I understand uh, that when you talk about sobriety to people, they start buckling up, all right, here we go. Because some of you like a taste. And I'm not talking about cocoa either. I just, I just, I'm just giving you my honest opinion. I just believe in sobriety. I, I, I really believe that, that for some of you, it would do you good to revisit this area of your life and to rethink it. Because, because for some people, 
it has become the issue. It is the thing that's pulling you away. It's, it's pulling you further and further down the river in a direction you don't need to go. And, and I, I, I just think for some, you, you can say, well, Jesus drank wine, yeah, but not like you. You know, not, not like you. Okay, he did not drink like you. Okay, you know, you're talking about at one wedding, all right? And you, okay, let's not go that far. Communion's one thing, and what you do is another. And this is, this, you've become given. You're giving yourself to this. And it's not just drinking. It's, it's drugs and the whole thing. It's just you're controlled by these substances, and that's just not to be. Pastor Rick, you, you, you ever thought about it? You ever drink? Yeah, yeah. Why I smell good sometimes? Yeah, yeah. On the plane, look around. Nobody know who I am. Give me, a, give me a shot of that. Give me a, give me a. You know you think. <laughs> you know you. you, you, you but here's what I, you know, my doctor even, he was teasing me. You know, he said, you know, definitely want me to tell you something. Now, you know you don't want to hear this. You don't want to hear this. But you need to go ahead and drink a little bit of wine. Go for it. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah And then he told me to take a little tequila, too. He said, don't drink a lot now. He said, drink a little. Some of y'all must know what that's like. Look at you. Everybody. <laughs> they know what's happening. They, just, they know what's going on. I said, no, I might like it. I said, I'm not telling you now. Oh, yeah, I'm like, oh, that's, oh, that's some good stuff right there. <laughs> oh, Lord, this is good. I might, might keep on drinking this. When y'all give me a hard time in the service, don't preach. Give me a shot of that. I need some. <laughs> I don't want anything to control me. And some of you are out of control. Be honest. After work, what are you doing? Your brain is going to get a shot. Why? Have arguments. You, you just... You're just out of control. Come on, say not given, not given. to wine. This power in sobriety can affect your family's goals. It affects everything. For some of you, if I just took alcohol out of your family, it would change everything. If I took it out of your father's mouth and he never could drink, or your mother's mouth and they could never, it would change everything. Everything would change. They would never have gone to jail, would have never gone to prison, would have never committed the crime, would have never done certain things. All you got to do is take drugs out of, out of our society and you can let a whole lot of police officers retire. The drugs. We're not sober, we're not clear in our minds. See, clear thinking, you're not clear. When I go to prisons and I have these Q&As, it's amazing. The Q&A is probably, you know, the teaching part. I do like a 45-minute teaching, and then I do this open Q&A thing. I didn't expect that, but they asked me to do it. So it's, it's amazing. So you get a couple of hundred guys or 300, however many, in this particular prison, and they, they get up and they, they, they ask me questions. And almost all the time, you know what they say? I wasn't clear. I wasn't clear. I wasn't clear. I see clearly now. Some of them say, hey, Pastor Rick, I, you remember me? You stopped me on the street. You remember you talked to me? I should have listened to you. I hear that in every, it's amazing, especially if I go near here. As far as up to Atlanta, all the, they, you know, they ship them all over the place. And it's really amazing. Traveling up these small roads, the prisons are everywhere. They're all up, way back up in the woods. And, and I tell myself, how did you get here? Because you weren't sober. You want to change your life? That could be a layer. 
don't drink this week. Don't get high this week. See if your brain can clear out a little bit. Just pause for a minute. When you're angry the next time and you want to, want to blow up and go get high because you had an argument, say, no, no, I'm not going to do that this time. Not this time. Not today. I saw a woman the other day, early in the morning, drinking, and I looked at her, and I said, girl, what hurts so bad you got to drink it before 10 o'clock? Why are you drinking at 10.30 in the morning? Why? What hurts so bad? I didn't know her. I couldn't ask her. Sober. Maybe that's the issue. That's the layer. Blocking your purpose. Verse 4 takes us further in this conversation with Timothy, and I thought it was powerful. He goes on, and he says, if you want to be a leader, verse 4, 1 Timothy chapter 3, he says, you have, to be, you have to be one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? The one word that stood out to me is submission, really. Because it's a word we don't like, but there's power in submission. When women hear it, they think we're talking about you being submitted to some guy, and for you that's a real hard thought because you don't have a good history with men. And I understand that. A lot of us have failed you. It doesn't take away the power in the word. You see, for a family to reach its purpose, for you to reach your purpose, you have to learn how to submit in various places, on your job, in your relationship with people. But some people have not mastered that. If anything, we think of leadership, and I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were talking about leadership, and I said, yes, but in Asia, it's followership. There's a whole study of that. You should Google it. I've got their books written on followership, how to follow. Do you know how to follow anybody? Do you know, do you know what it means to be quiet and hold your tongue and step back and not say anything? Do you, do you think that's being wimpy? Do you understand the power in controlling yourself? The Bible says... He that can control his spirit is wiser than he that can rule a city. Sometimes it's just hushing. Shh. Holy Spirit saying, shh. I am, I'm, I'm going to shush in a minute after I tell her how I feel. <laughs> you don't do well just being quiet. It's one thing about the political race. It exposes all of your wisdom and all of your foolishness. If you're not careful, that's why you have to, it, it really is a powerful experience. It's a powerful experience, and that's why you have to really be careful. You learn as you lead, and you do public stuff. Hush. Shh. Don't talk so much. Learn to submit. You go on a job, you think about it. You went on that job you're on right now, and you talk about it. This is how you talk now. I don't know what they're doing in here. I can't believe these people. These people are getting on my nerve. They're just dumb. I tell you, I could run this company. They're just crazy. And I just don't, I don't. Now, when you came on the job, this is how you came to interview. Hi. Yes, I, I need a job. Yes, I, I would love to work here. That would be great. That's a wonderful salary. I'll take it. Now, huh, they need to give me a raise. I don't know what. When you got married, I do. Yes, I do. Yes. For life, till death do us part. Now, I don't know why I married this fool. I can't imagine why. You have changed. Why are you laughing? You must know somebody who this applies to. 
You have, you have changed. You have become another person. You're that way in your neighbors, with your neighbors. You're that, there's this attitude that carries through. And let me tell you what it does. It, 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 you'll never get to the purpose God has for you. Because you don't have the strength to submit. The word submit does not mean to be a doormat. It means to be in proper alignment. When I go to certain places, I understand I'm in, pro I'm in alignment. This is what they said to me. This is my time to not lead. It's my time to follow. I am not always a leader. When I travel and I go places and they tell me how long I speak, I sit down when they say it's over. I never go over, ever, because they didn't have to invite me. They, never, they don't have to ask me to come there. Why am I, what, who do I think I am? You have, we have an unsubmitted spirit. And I want to say this, ladies, buckle up. Ready? Buckle up. Riding with me? Here we go. You ready? You ain't, you ain't saying nothing. Say, say preacher, come on. <laughs> See, uh-huh. See, now all of a sudden, there, there it is. There it is, attitudes. Now, I can't say what I want to say. Can you tell me to preach it? All right, thank you, thank you. All the brothers said, all right, now you're on your own. Say what you <laughs> we'll block the door for you. You got that door, Barry? Hold it up. <laughs> They're coming for me. You'll never have a great marriage if you don't understand the power of submission. Never. You'll never, you'll never have it. And understand, let me not talk to the guys. Okay, I'll deal with them in a minute. But just understand your role. See, there's something, there's something about trying to manage an angry, disappointed, frustrated woman who's been abused and went through a whole lot in his life. And, and, and maybe he had contributed some of it to some of it. But... But the problem is, even if you had a good man, I've seen this, you still wouldn't submit because you don't philosophically believe in following anybody that you don't agree with at every point. There, there is a very different female attitude, and it shows up in the younger women. They're very, very anti any kind of submission. Okay, breathe. It's okay. I love you. But it's the truth. And it shows up on your job. It shows, it's showing up everywhere. It's showing up everywhere. And there's something that's really important for you to get. I know that men have to submit to. I understand the value of that. I understand the Bible says Ephesians 5:21, submit ye to one another. I'm there. I get all that. But I'm not talking about that now. I'm talking about you and your personal attitude towards submission. And there's something about this word. See, it's not just it's not just something you need to always talk to somebody else about. You need to ask yourself, in this moment, am I being a person who can be am I a person that can be led? There's a place where I submit. There's a place where I say, you know, let me do that. There's a place where I, I feel, th this, is, this is just my testimony. You admire my marriage. I've heard this many times. But let me tell you a, a secret. And, and here's what you're going to do. And you're you're going to pick and choose. Here's what you, you're going to say. Well, let me say it first, and I'll, I'll, show, I'll show you where you're going to land. Some are, gonna, some are going to land. Diane is submitted. I feel that way. I feel that Diane lets me lead. I feel that Diane... Even when I've not been perfect, I get the vibe from her that she's not in competition. I feel that way in this church. I don't feel like I'm fighting a bunch of deacons and elders or people. You understand? I feel like they let me lead. I understand my responsibility. I understand I'm supposed to be a good leader, and it makes it easier when I'm a nice guy. I get all that, but that's not the point. For some people, it wouldn't matter if you had a good one or not. 
because the problem is philosophically you don't believe in that. And that's what you need to pause and see. There's, there's, do, have I become the kind of person who is anti-submission? I don't submit to anybody. That's the problem. See, so even if God had a place for you, and a person, can a person set you straight and say, no, I don't want you to do that. I really want you to do this. I really want you to, you know, there's a, there's a moment where people fight that. There's a moment when, when, when you, you fight it you, and you talk back and you, it's, it's just hard to lead you. It's hard. I've been a boss for years. I've, I've led hundreds of staff people in my time. I'm telling you. There are people who think that they should be able to choose. And, and it, 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 you'll never get to the purpose God has for you because you can't be led. You can't be led. You can't be led. You've got to learn. You've got to learn how to be quiet. You've got to learn how to listen. You've got to learn how to, you got to learn how to learn. There's something important about that gift. That gift. It's a gift. It, it comes through. People feel it. They don't want to promote you because you, you can't be led. You're too saved. You're too spiritual. See, even, you know, and I'm, I'm going to say this only because this is my opinion, okay? And, and just put it where it goes. I'm, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I'm Bible-believing, whatever. But I'm not right because I'm a Christian. Everything I say isn't God's word because I say it. And if I'm, if I'm running for an office, and if, I mean, that doesn't make me 100% right about everything. But, but the arrogance that can come when you come to Christ, you can develop an arrogant spirit and you can become the kind of person who thinks because I know the Bible and because I know Jesus that I'm right about everything. Maybe, maybe your kids, maybe your kids have a point. You need to consider. Maybe your neighbors have a point. Maybe they don't like you on the job because they wouldn't care if you were black, white, green, orange, or purple. They don't like your attitude. It's, it's your spirit. It's, it's unsubmitted. Unsubmitted. How can he get you to your purpose? How can he? It's simple stuff. I'm on the plane, and they say, cut off your phone. And I'm, you know, cut off the phone, Temple. Didn't she tell you to cut off your phone? Don't submit to anybody. And it, it, it pulls down the things that God could do in your life because that, that's how you end up with white-collar crime. and You end up with people that have millions of dollars, but they got to steal another thousand. Don't want to submit. It's in our children. But a lot of them learned it from us. That's why I have to have security in church, because people don't submit sometimes. <laughs> and so I have to have an answer. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm really sorry. I got a couple of stories I can tell you. People, some people just think they can come up and take the microphone. I've seen that in places. I mean, especially when I was in L.A. Love y'all in L.A. But I'm telling you, it was amazing. And sometimes you, you find people who do things and say things, and, and, and you say, where did you get in your mind that that's okay? I need to pause and check myself and ask myself, am I a person who's not submitted? Then lastly, number five, we talked about the power of leadership to Timothy, the power of being a husband, the power of sobriety, the power of submission, and he talked about the power of experience. He says, you know, don't get a novice. Don't get a new person. Be careful because when you're new, you don't know what you're doing. 
make sure you're careful. Don't get a novice. Least here's what happens to new people. And it's not just new, it's, it's inexperienced. It's people who don't understand. And th there's something powerful about surrounding yourself with people who know. Surrounding yourself with people who can help you. He says, not a novice, least being puffed up with pride. He falls. Big word. He falls into the same trap, condemnation the devil did, which was pride and arrogance. You need a good testimony. Follow somebody that has a good testimony. Now, having said all this today, I want you to think about this. He said all that because he wanted him to be strong. I want you to go home and I want you to pray about becoming a strong person, about becoming the kind of person who's strong enough to get to your purpose, who can deal with the layers in your life. I want you to pray, Father, I need to be strong. And here's how it starts. It starts with you opening your heart and mind. Next week, I'm going to turn the tables a little bit, and I'm going to talk about another word called independence. But I'm not just going to talk about independence. I'm going to talk about what I call mature independence. And I'm going to show you the balance and how you reach your purpose by standing alone and not depending on anybody. But that's another study, and that's next week. Did you learn something today? I hope you did. Praise God. Father, I thank you for the call of God upon our life. I thank you for the courage to stand independently on my own here with you. I ask you, Lord God, to bless those who read ahead in our study for next week. I pray the notes that we've given them to read ahead would be inspirational and helpful to them. And I pray that they would come back, come back and say, I want to be a man full of power, a woman full of power, and independently able to stand strong. Jesus gave me life. He gave me life. He created me in his image. For me to be strong. I pray, God, that those who come today who've been feeling weak would leave out saying, no, I'm called to be strong. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would bring healing to their hearts and lives. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your word today. I thank you for the difference you make. I ask your blessing upon your people today. I ask your grace upon them today. And I pray that you would touch and heal and give them vision and strength. I thank you for all those who made the sacrifice to watch home today. May they feel like they've been in church. May they feel connected. We ask you to touch their hearts today. Now as we close, we pray for people who don't know you, who've been walking away from you, but now they want to walk to you. Some people in the room, Lord, some people online have decided that they want to change their lives today. And I want to pray for them that this would be the beginning of a new life with Jesus, a new life with God. They would say, I need change and I can't change myself. They'd ask you to come into their heart to be the Lord of their lives. And so Lord I pray for them today for forgiveness of sins. I pray for a new start and I thank you that this will be that new day for them. With every head bowed and every eye closed if you say pastor after hearing this sermon today and after hearing what you just prayed I want to start a life with Jesus. I want to get my life going in the right direction spiritually. I want you to know that I'm one of those people that want to start a walk with God today. Just simply raise your hand and say that's me pastor. That's me. Pray with me. I'm the one. I want to start a life with Jesus today. Just put your hand up and put it right back down. Anybody say, Pastor, that's me. That's where I am today. My walk with God. My life needs a change of direction. I may be a good person. I may have been in church all my life. But I need God today. I, I see your hand. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me today. Pray for me. Father, I pray for those who raise their hands, and some who raise their hearts. 
I ask you to touch them today. And may this be that beginning moment for those who are here and at home. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Thank